My name is Wade. I'm uh, one of the pastors here, and uh, I've actually been gone for two weeks. I was on vacation uh, two weeks ago, and um, when we came back, we actually went to Justin Buzzard. You guys remember Justin Buzzard? He's the guy that gave the discipleship seminar here last year. Uh, we were able to visit his church in San Jose and see what they're doing uh, um, with their church in, in the South Bay. And then last week, I was preaching at First Presbyterian in San Francisco, so I'm so glad to be back. And we're going to approach the word together today. Uh, the title of my sermon is uh, "Approaching the Word, Approaching the Word of God with Expectation." And I want us to have this posture uh, of just having open mouths and receiving all that God has for us. So uh, we'll talk about that. But as we begin, uh, we're going to read the scripture, which is in our bulletin, and this is Jesus speaking from Mark chapter 4. You can listen along as I read. Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when Jesus was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables." So that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And Jesus said to them, Do you not not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a little while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. This is the word of God. So I want us to begin our time together by asking us a question. What do you want the sum of your life to be? What do you want the final outcome of your life to be? According to the passage that we just read, there are only two outcomes to your life. You'll either live a life of fruitfulness for God, or you will live a life that will not bear any lasting fruit. So I've kind of narrowed it down. Let me ask the question again. What do you want the final outcome of your life to be? Is it enough that you had relational success, that you had a lot of friends, you had a family that loved you? Is it enough that you were generous? Is it enough that you were respected in your community or in your company? 
Is it enough that you raised happy and productive children? Or even that you faithfully attended religious services such as this regularly? How would we answer that question? Well, Jesus, as he speaks in this parable, he gives us two, only two ways to answer that question. We're either going to live a life that is fruitful or a life that is not fruitful. And what determines that outcome, according to Jesus in this passage, is how we receive the word that's spoken to us. Whether or not our lives bear fruits, it depends completely on how we receive the word that's spoken to us. So that means that what matters at Indelible Grace Church today is not that we make promises, not that we resolve to do a lot of things, that we, res- that we resolve to do much and give much to God, but that we open ourselves up to receive much from God. That's what matters, is that we would receive much from God. And this is something that we've said so many times at this church. God initiates this worship service, and God comes, He gathers His people to give to His people. This is not a chance for us to make more promises. It's not a chance for us to to resolve to do more so that we would be in God's good graces. But when we come here on Sundays, we come to God with open hands saying, I've got nothing to give you. I've got nothing. But I need you to give me something. So this is my desire for our church, that we'll approach Sunday mornings and every time that we were exposed to the Word of God, that when, when this happens, that we are as open as we can possibly be, that we're ready to listen to what's being preached, that when we come on Sundays, we're hungry and eager to hear and understand what God is saying to us. In other words, to put it in the words of this parable, I want the Word to fall on good soil at IGC. So while... Pastor Michael is on sabbatical this summer. He's going to speak more about it later. Um, We're going to go through the first two chapters of 1 Corinthians. And this is, uh, we're going to look at the the nature of ministry as God intends it. And over the course of these summer months, I want us to think really seriously about what kind of church we want IGC to be. And the type of church that IGC becomes depends on the type of people that we become. Do we know what God wants for his bride? Are we listening to what God is saying in his word? Are we practicing what we hear? So to give you a preview of the summer, I'm super duper excited for the summer because I'm not the only one speaking. We have our brothers, uh, Scott Mueller and Michael Kwong and David Yee. They are going to speak this summer um, while Michael is on sabbatical. I can't tell you how excited I I am. I've been uh, texting them and I've been emailing them for the past uh, few weeks and um, every time I, I text them, these are, these are men of God that I'm so excited that we get to listen to. So they're going to speak the word of God, and I'm going to speak the word of God. And, and I want us to approach this summer ready to listen, listen to what's spoken from this pulpit. And I want us to listen to the word of God because the word of God is more powerful than we can imagine. And the word of God is what will change us. The word of God, ultimately, this is enough for our church. So uh, I'm going to read you some of the things that the Word of God is. Listen to what the Word of God does. The Word of God shapes us. 1 Timothy 3, it says this, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The Bible is what is going to shape us. 
as individuals and as a church. The Word of God feeds our weak faith. Do you have weak faith? Matthew 4.4 Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The Word of God brings us back to life, and it gives us joy. Psalm 19.7 and 8 The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul, reviving your dead and dry soul. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. If you want joy, it's found in God's Word. The Word of God cuts us open, and the Word of God heals us like a surgeon. Hebrews 4, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, discerning the the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And the Word of God empowers us to fight sin. We are all sinners and we need the word of God. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. From Psalm 119. And if we really understood how powerful the word of God is, I think our relationship to this book would completely change. What, what if we came here on Sundays just expecting to be changed by the preaching of God's word? What would our church life be like if every week we all came with eager expectation to, to hear what God is speaking to us in his word, and what if we all responded in worship? The, the word that, that uh, Eric said earlier that, that caught my ear was um, that we'd have a culture, a culture. And in its most basic form, every organization has a culture, every family has a culture. A culture defines what's normal. That's all it really is. What is normal? What do you come to expect? And what if the culture of IGC was it's normal for me to come to church on Sunday excited. And it's, it's normal for me to see my brothers and sisters and see them ready to receive what God is saying. What if that was the culture of IGC? So I'm going to look at, we're going to look at Psalm, or Matthew, Mark, or I'll just go through all the books of the Bible. Uh, <laughs> Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. This is, we read the parable of the sower, which is uh, more accurately uh, titled the accurate of, the, or the, the parable of the soils. So let's look at it to understand the importance of properly receiving and hearing what God has to say, for, say to us. So Jesus, he talks about four types of people, and there are, he, he begins by telling this parable. He explains the parable to them like this. There are four types of people. The first type of person, there is the seed that's thrown on the ground, and the seed, it never finds a place to, to land because there's no soil. This is the type of person who, who hears the word of God, but he, he or she doesn't listen. There's no reflection. There's no thought given to whether or not it means anything, whether or not it's true. And this is a lot of people. They hear the word of God and just goes in one ear, out the other. It's just background noise. But Jesus, he says, there's a supernatural reason behind this. If you look at verse 15, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is spoken to them. When the word of God is spoken and someone doesn't listen, if they don't care, it's not because the words are true or untrue. It's not necessarily that the message is delivered poorly, It's that Satan is active. Satan is active when the word of God is spoken because he knows there's power in the message. And he hates when the word of God is spoken. Satan is waiting for the word of God to be spoken. And he's ready to pluck it from our ears. 
And what this means as a church is that we need to be aware that there is opposition to the ministry that we do here. There are supernatural forces working against what's happening at IGC. And he might be doing his work at this very moment. He might be snatching the words of life from the, the ears of his hearers. In the same way that we shouldn't underestimate the power of God's word, we shouldn't underestimate the power of Satan and his hatred for God's word. So when Jesus talks about this first type of person, we have to realize that there is a fight between good and evil. There is a supernatural struggle that happens here on Sundays. There's a second person. There's a seed sown on the rocky ground, and it grows quickly, he says, but it soon dies. And Jesus, verses 16 and 17, he explains what's happening. So the word of God is spoken. The hero responds. And listen to how Jesus puts it. He says, the hero receives it with joy. With joy. There's an emotional response. The word got into the heart. The pulse quickened. The mind was awakened. And there was life for a little while. And we're not told in this parable how long. It could be weeks. It could be months. It might even be years. And for a little while, the hearer endured. But then it died because things got difficult. It's not uncommon for people to respond to the Word of God. It should be a normal thing. Uh, when, I w- when I lived in Southern California, I was involved in a church plant that did a lot of outreach. And it, it, would, uh, it, it met at this really dirty, nasty uh, rock and roll club. If you're from Southern California, you might have heard of Chain Reaction. This is where a lot of the really popular rock bands got their starts in, in Anaheim. And um, so I attended this church, and we would do outreach, and I would go to these... Uh, really loud, and in my, to my ears, they weren't very good concerts, but kids went, so I'd go there with my friends, and uh, we would just talk to people during, between the sets, and um, uh, we'd invite them to church, and surprise, surprise, some people actually came, and uh, just this, along with other outreach activities that we did around the Anaheim area, um, people came to church, and uh, it was so exciting, especially as a church plant, we saw all these people that would I don't know if they ever would have stepped foot in a church, but they did. And uh, we even had some, some uh, C&D-list celebrities attend. So we're like, oh, man, I've seen them on TV, and now they're here at church. Um, and it, it was so exciting to see these people come. And many of them, they, they quickly got involved in the ministries. And um, I watched them raise their hands in worship. I had a lot of them. I, I studied the Bible with them, and I prayed with them in my apartment. And these are people that heard the word. But... A discouraging thing. Do you know what I witnessed after a little while? These people that were so excited at the beginning, they, they eventually they stopped attending church. And now I see them on Facebook, and um, there's nothing that indicates that they have any interest in Jesus. Um, no church activity, um, nothing of the sorts. And Jesus, he looks at these people, and he, he explains what's happening with this type of person Though they responded, there's no depth of soil in their life. They never took root. And instead of being refined by trouble, which is the proper response, is when trouble happens, we should be asking God, what are you doing here? Instead of that happening, they they let the trouble kill them, or they let the trouble drive them away. When they had doubts, they didn't work them out, but they just gave up. When the church offended them, or when there were relationships in the church that, that, that were broken, they found something else that was more appealing. And the faith that they had, 
that we were so excited for just shriveled up and died. And why? Because their faith didn't have integrity. Their faith didn't take root in something strong and lasting. Their faith couldn't withstand the rigors of life. So that's a second type of person. The third type of person that Jesus speaks of is similar to the second. These are those who hear the word and they also respond. And the seed that was sown into the soil, that actually grows up. But, Jesus says, it fell among thorns. So these seeds, they took root, they grew, they ended up eventually dying. Why? Because there were thorns, there were uh, weeds that grew up alongside and they just choked the life out of these plants. And Jesus says, these are the hearers, they get the nutrients that are necessary to grow. And grow they did, but the trouble is that something else grew up alongside them. And these are the thorns that Jesus references. He says in verse 19, what the cares of the world, the lie of riches and, pro- uh, and prosperity, other things remain a part of their lives. In other words, other things took root alongside with the word of God. So I want us to consider how vegetation grows. Specifically, it grows slowly. There's a plant, when, if it's a healthy, it's going to go in the ground, and then in time it's going to sprout, and it gets the nutrients, and it's going to grow up little by little by little. This is true of healthy plants. It's also true of unhealthy plants. It's also true of weeds with thorns, plantation that is not good. And what it means for us practically is that we might be seeing life and growth in, 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 our, in our walk, but there are other things that we may not be paying attention to, and they're growing up alongside us. And we don't even notice it because it just springs up imperceptibly. If it grew up right away, you would know there's something wrong, but it's growing up right alongside me, and I don't see the little changes, and I don't think I need to do anything about this. It might not seem like a big deal that we neglect reading the Word of God for two or three days. It may not seem uh, like it's that big of a deal if we're missing out on Sunday services once or twice a month because we have other things going on. It might, feel, it might seem fine to skip out on gatherings with uh, your church brothers and sisters uh, because you just don't feel like it. Um, there might be things that may not be necessarily sinful, but they're growing up right alongside you. And these things, they take root in your life. And they grow up. And you give time to them. And they start intruding on the time that you should be giving. The, the areas of your life that should belong completely to God, these little weeds, they just weave their way in and out of our lives. And we don't notice them. And then they start getting their way into these places in our hearts And they start choking the affection that we have for God. And do you know what will eventually happen if you you don't become really intentional about your spiritual life? One week away from the Word of God turns into two weeks and three weeks, and at some point the Bible just becomes this dusty thing that you pick up once in a while. You might look on your phone and I can read read a devotional for like two minutes a day and that's, that's all I need, maybe. That might be the attitude we have. Or uh, missing church, maybe I'll miss it once a month, or that becomes twice a month, and becomes three times a month, and eventually you start asking, why even bother going to church? And this is something that we've seen over the course of the church so often. Just these little things that don't seem to add up to much, but in time they add up to a lot. And these kill 
our spiritual lives. We let these other things intrude in the space that belongs to God. And, and all the things that we value now, that we say that we value now, the, the, the church community, reading the word of God, prayer, our affections for these things, they will get slowly choked to death. So these are the three types of soil that Jesus talks about. Seed is sown, the word is spoken, the word is heard. But ultimately, these lives, the lives of these people, do not bear any fruits. And Jesus talks about the final type of person. And this is the type of person we all need to be. He says that seed falls on good soil and bears lasting fruits. Verse 20, Jesus says, it says that there are, these are the hearers that accept the words that are being spoken. Not just listen to the word, but they also accept the word. So I did a little research on soil this week. It's a, the study of soil is called pedology, if you're interested. Uh, and this is what I found. I asked, I typed in Google, what makes for good soil? And this is what makes for good soil. There are two things about good soil. Good soil allows for adequate air exchange in the ground, that this adequate uh, air exchange in the ground that the seed is planted into. And good soil also has good water absorption and drainage. So let me just take these principles from pedology and apply it to what Jesus is talking about. So there's good soil which has adequate air exchange. It means that this soil, it's, it's open, it's flexible. When there's air and oxygen going in, there's flow in the ground. And in our lives, it means this. Did you know that the word uh, spirit is taken from the, word, the Latin word spiritus, which means breath? When you breathe, that's spirit. When you expire, that means all the breath has gone out of you and you're dead. And in, in Hebrew, the word for spirit is ruach, which means moving air. So to breathe is to have spirits. To be good soil is to have spirits. And to be a follower of Jesus is to breathe in and breathe out the life that Jesus gives us. Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit. If we remember when Jesus left the earth, he said, I'm leaving you, but I'm giving you the Spirit. And his Holy Spirit is, is actively working in our lives. And to be good soil means that we are submitting to what the Spirit is speaking to us. It means that we're sensitive to what he's doing in our lives. It's making room in our lives for the Spirit to, to, to work. It means that we repent when he convicts us of our sin. It means that we, are, we receive his comfort when we are anxious or when we're mourning. It means that we obey when he's moving us to act. And this is what it means to be good soil. The spirit is moving. The breath of God is moving in our lives. And there's adequate air exchange in our soil So the second thing about good soil I mentioned is water absorption and drainage. So the water that goes into the soil, it, it's absorbed by the soil. It also leaves the soil at some point. So the, the absorption means this, that there are nutrients for the believer. God has given us specific things to feed us, to make us healthy. And for the Christian, it means that there is the preaching of the word that is nutrient. For us, it means the sacraments, baptism, and communion, which we're going to take later. It means prayer and fellowship with other believers. And these are the primary things that God has given us to feed our faith. Uh, the, the phrase we use is, uh, these are the, the means of grace. These are the ways in which God intends for you to grow. And one of the things I hear 
over and over in this church is that we're feeling, we feel dry. Have you ever said that? I've said that I've felt that. I, I, in my own life, it just feels like, you know, I'm going through the motions and uh, it just, I'll, I'll believe things. I, I, I'll say that, you know, all the things about the Christian faith, I can give intellectual assent to, but there's no life behind it. And what are we to do in these seasons of dryness? We need to ask ourselves, are we receiving the nutrients that God is giving us? Are we regularly in the Word? Are we, are we opening, it, opening up the Word and just reading through it and asking God, God, will you speak to me? Will you tell me what I need to hear? Because I need your Word today. Do you remember the, the words of Jesus uh, that I read to you earlier from Matthew 4? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the Word of God. How often do you eat? That's how often you have to, have to have the Word of God in your mind. Are you, giving, are you giving yourself fully to God in prayer? Are you saying, God, like, I, I don't know what to pray, but I'm going to stay here. I'm going to be silent. I'll just listen to you. And the awesome thing about prayer is this. If you remember in Romans, it says, the Spirit speaks on our behalf when we don't know what to pray for. The Spirit is groaning. If you have no other prayer but help, that is enough. Because you're saying, God, I am dependent completely on you. I need you to speak. I need you to speak through me. I don't know what to pray for, but God, will you tell me what to pray for? Have you been baptized if you confess Christ? Are we taking communion seriously? Are we meeting with our brothers and sisters? Are we being intentional about the time that we have with those that believe? Are we praying with them? Are we allowing them to challenge us? This is the water that we need for the soil in our lives. So there's absorption. The other thing about good soil is this, that there is drainage, that there is an output from the believer's life. So this looks like, what, what, is, what is God teaching you? Is it just staying there? And do you just kind of let it twirl around in your mind and you just hold on to it? Or are you encouraging someone with, God, with what God has taught you? Are you teaching other people? This is what we call discipleship. We've all been taught by Jesus. And Jesus says, you need to teach other people as well. Discipleship, that's the vision of our church, that we are followers of Jesus. We help others follow Jesus. Are we serving our community? Are we serving church? Are we finding ways to worship God by loving the people that we spend time with? This is the drainage from the soil. We can't just let this water pool up and it becomes fetid and and, and rancid. The water needs to leave us as well. And God will continue to put water in us as we do that. So these are the four types of soils that Jesus talks about in this parable. Now, I need to make a note here because we might be tempted to think, well, I know people that they hear the word and now it just seems like they have absolutely no interest in what's happening. And we give up on them and we say, well, they're a lost cause. I don't need to talk to them about things of faith anymore. Uh, And there are other people who we see, they seem rock solid. And we think, there's no way that person... You know, I've had thoughts about some of you. I've thought, I bet you that guy doesn't even sin. (laughs) Because he seems so solid. He has such integrity. He seems like such a good person. But Jesus says, you've got it all wrong. Uh, Everyone, everyone is susceptible to falling 
away. Everyone has this pull on their spirits. And Jesus says in this parable, he says implicitly, you might see this in someone's life, either good or bad. If it's bad, don't give up on them. Continue to pray for them. Believe that the word of God can change them. You don't have any idea what God can do in the next five minutes of someone's life or the next five years or ten years. For other people, they seem so, so trustworthy and solid and it seems like they don't sin. And Jesus says, pray for them as well. Pray for them as well because they need my grace to live faithfully. We can't presume that we won't crumble when the troubles come, if that's us. We can't presume that we are one of these soils. And that is a hopeful thing and a scary thing. So what are we to do with all this information? How how do we properly receive the word of God? And I'm going to go really practical on us. Uh, If I want you to be this good soil, I want to give you some things that might seem kind of obvious, but um, until we actually practice them, uh, it's worth telling you again. So the first thing is this, prepare yourself before service. In Eric's prayer earlier, he said, we just, we, we, there's this feast before us, and we just fill ourselves up with things that aren't really all that good. Uh, have you ever had a really delicious meal to look forward to? And what did you do in that moment? Did you open a bag of Doritos and just said, I'm going to eat this until I'm full? That would be really, really stupid. But we do that when we, before we come to church on Sunday, before we come before the Word of God, when we fill our minds with things that that can take our thoughts away from what's being spoken. So some of the ways that we try to help us in this area is um, in most of our Thursday newsletters that I think hopefully you receive our newsletters on Thursday, um, the passage is linked on the newsletter uh, on Thursdays beforehand. You can read through the passage. Um, we can meditate on what's being spoken, on what will be spoken on Sunday morning. And uh, so these are some of the things that we can do to prepare ourselves for service. Another thing that we may not be... That might seem too obvious, so maybe I should just mention it because you don't even think about it, is this. You should get adequate rest the night before so that you have the mental energy to pay attention on Sunday mornings. So we prepare ourselves for service. The other thing we do is we pray for three types of people. And next week I'm going to talk about the responsibility that we all have toward the church. But here's, uh, here's a quick um, a quick uh, sneak peek at what I'm going to talk about. So pray for yourself first. Pray that you will be focused. Pray that you will submit to what the Spirit of God is doing in your life. Pray that you'll, pray that you'll be able to listen and do what the Word tells us to do. Pray for yourself. Pray for concentration and focus. Pray for discipline Pray that you would be sensitive. If God, if the Spirit is telling you there's something that you need to take care of in your life, you need to take care of that. Pray for others. Those sitting around you, you, have, you may not have any idea what they're going through, and they might have had the crappiest week ever, and you don't know the pain that they carry in their hearts. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Pray that they would still be receptive. Pray that their hearts would be tender. Pray that they would be open and honest. Pray that they would feel safe in this church to listen 
to meditate on the Word of God and then pray for, this sounds self-serving, but um, hopefully this comes across as um, a little bit of uh, exposing myself in the interest of humility. Pastor Michael and I need you to pray for us. We need you to pray for us because throughout the week we, we, we open the Word of God and there, there's so often I'm so distracted when I'm trying to put together a sermon. I need you to pray that I would be focused when I prepare the Word. I need you to pray that I would look at it diligently, that I would say what's true. I need you to pray for me because I'm just like everyone else. There are weeks that I've woken up on Sundays, on weeks that I've had to preach, and my first thought was, I don't really want to go to church today. Um, Have you ever had that thought? The pastor has that thought, too. Pastors, we have fights with our wives on Saturday evenings. Pastors sin. Pastors say things they shouldn't say. I need your prayers this summer. I need your prayers because there's nothing in myself that can carry this word of God. So I need you to pray for me. I need you to pray for those around you. I need you to pray for yourself if you want the summer, if you want on any Sunday, if you want the word of God to take root. We need to pray for each other. That's the second thing we can do practically. The, second, the third thing, we can come with expectancy, believing that God will reward you. Here, listen to the word from Hebrews 11. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Do you believe that God wants to reward you? If you knew that God was going to give you all that you need on Sunday morning, would you come? Would you listen? Would you prepare yourself for that? Another thing to do, practically, listen, not as a critic, but with humility. So I'm fully aware that I have a lot of weakness and feebleness. I'm not the greatest communicator. The delivery of the word might be weak, but the word of God is powerful. And there are things you can pick apart on Sunday sermons, and that's fine. We could use feedback. It's actually good for us to receive feedback and critique. But is there something in the Word of God beyond the critique? Is there something that I need to listen to? Is there something I need to do? A while ago, I was uh, was helping clean up this room, and um, I picked up a bulletin. And usually I would just throw the bulletin away, but I opened the bulletin, and... The bulletin was filled with notes from my sermon. And I can't, I can't tell you how encouraging that was to me. That someone was listening. Not that they were listening to me, but that God, they were listening to whatever God was saying. And whether or not you do that, I don't take notes uh, all that much. But if that's something you do, if, if, if there's some way for you to absorb and listen to the word of God, you need to do that. We need to meditate after the sermon. So we need to continue to chew. If you know the word rumination, it's taken from the word for a cow's stomach. A cow has four stomachs. They're called rumens. And to ruminate means that the cow chews the food. It goes into one stomach. And then that stomach spits it out into another stomach. He continues to process it. And it happens four times in a cow. In the church. We need to ruminate. We need to listen to the Word of God. And we have opportunities for us to 
meditate further on the Word of God. You can go home and you can read the Word again. You can talk to your friends about the sermon. You can go to a community group. We have sermon discussions on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays in our small groups, on Sundays as well. Ruminate, meditate on the Word of God. And finally, practice the Word of God. James one twenty two. Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. This is the same thing that Jesus talks about in verse 20 of our passage. The hearer accepts the word, but it needs to go beyond that. The hearer does the word. So if we're approaching the preaching of the word of God without any intention of being challenged or changed, do you know what that is? That's being entertained. It's not being challenged by the word of God. So when we, when we anticipate the word of God being spoken here, or at any other church, if you're part of another church, we need to prepare ourselves for it. We need to prepare ourselves. John, when, he, when Jesus was coming, John said, prepare the way of the Lord. The prophet Joel, when he, when he was warning the people of judgment, he said, rend your hearts, tear open your hearts, make the most sensitive parts of your life vulnerable. Hosea 10, break up the unplowed grounds. In other words, make for good soil in your life. If, we, if you want to see and experience the power of God, then we need to prepare ourselves. Look at verse Isaiah 66. I have this in the bulletin. This is what it says. But this is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. We need, when we approach the word of God, to be humble. We need to be contrite. We need to be trembling. We need to be willing to take humble. We need to be humble. We need to be willing to take the lowest possible position before God. Not demanding that God do what we want, but we need to be obedient. We need to be submissive, saying to God, whatever you want to say to me, even if I don't want to hear it, I'm willing to listen. That's humility. We need to be contrite. We need to feel the weight of our sin and guilt. We need to be fully aware of our unworthiness before God. And we need to be trembling. We need to understand how weak we are and how powerful He is. Trembling at the Word of God. There's this really amazing verse in 2 Thessalonians. It's 2 Thessalonians 2.8. And it says that one day Jesus will slay Satan by the breath from his nose. Uh, read it up. Read, read, read that verse when you get a chance. If Jesus can kill Satan just by breathing from one of his nostrils, what do you think Jesus could do if he spoke to us? That's how powerful his word is. The movie Last Kiss um, gives us an example of humility and contrition and trembling. This is a movie that came out in uh, 2006. It stars Zach Braff. And there are two main characters, Michael and Jenna. Michael and Jenna are a couple that have been dating for a long time, and Michael is considering marrying Jenna. And one day, Michael, he meets another woman, and he ends up cheating on Jenna. And Jenna finds out, and as you can imagine, she is completely enraged. She is destroyed by this revelation. And the weight of his guilt and his transgression against Jenna hits Michael immediately. And he's so desperate to win back his love. He, and, and he meets with, his, with Jenna's father. And he, he, he asks Jenna's father, what do I need to do to earn her forgiveness? I want to make things right. And her father just says, you need to do whatever it takes. It's very simple. Do whatever it takes to make things right. So Michael, he goes to Jenna's apartment to talk. 
but she doesn't open the door, even though she's at home. He knocks on the door, he yells at her, open the door, I want to talk to you, I want to talk to you. She doesn't open the door. So that day turns into night, and that night turns into him having to spend the night at, on, in front of the door. The next day, Jenna opens the door, but it's only to walk by Michael. She doesn't want to look him in the eye. She doesn't talk to him at all. Even though he's full of humility and contrition, even though he's willing to do whatever it takes, Jenna doesn't want to talk to him. The next day, he sits there waiting for her to open the door, but she doesn't. And he's still filled with just such desire to make things right. And it starts raining, and he gets wet. He starts shivering in the cold, and he spends another night on the front porch. Finally, on the third day, Jenna opens the door for Michael, and the movie ends there. And fortunately, this movie illustration, it doesn't carry all the way through to what we speak of today, because if our best hope is that even when we're so sorry that we've sinned against God, if our best hope is that maybe God will take us back in, that's not really good news. This might be the news of other worldviews or religions, but a big cosmic maybe is not good news. But the gospel says that even though we've cheated on God, even though we've all lived by our own rules and preferences and standards, instead of the standard that God has established for us, he lets us back in. In fact, God pursues us even when we have no desire for him, for reconciliation. And he says to us, when we're ready to listen, all is forgiven because Jesus, my son, has taken all your guilt. He paid the price for your cheating entirely. Now come in and be mine. Now, if you really understand this message, if you understood how significant it is, this gospel of Christ, you can't help but feel contrition, the weight of your sin. You can't help but feel humility, how unworthy you are to come before God. And you can't help but tremble because maybe the most terrifying thing to hear from a holy God is a word of love and grace. Would you not tremble at this? I want to close our time by reading this passage from Isaiah 55. And this is our call to worship. We're going to read it again and I'll just close up here before we take communion. This is the prophet speaking, or God speaking through the prophets. Page three of your bulletin, listen to what it said. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord. An everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. I want us to imagine two things. Imagine yourself at the... Imagine yourself at the end of your life, your body is weak, but your spirit is strong and vibrant and as sturdy as a hundred foot tree, the cypress that Isaiah speaks of. It wasn't because you read lots of great books. It wasn't because you listened to a thousand amazing sermons. 
It's because over the course of your life, you open yourself up and you are willing to submit to what's being said by the Word of God. Even when the preacher's boring, even when you're distracted, you said, I'm going to fight to listen to the Word of God. You've let God speak to you. So my encouragement to you is this. Be diligent in studying His Word. Be faithful in gathering with the saints around the Word and the table. This is what the church is to do. Be expectant when the Word of God is opened up and listen when the herald of God speaks. Be thoughtful as you meditate on it. And if you do this, you will be like this mighty tree that Isaiah speaks of that grows up. And you're going to bear witness to the greatness of God. You're going to say, tell the world that Jesus is worthy with your life. You're going to be telling the world that the Spirit gives life. And finally, imagine indelible grace church in five years or in ten years or however long God gives us to exist. Imagine that a church is faithful to his word, that we do not give in to fads, that we do not fall to false doctrine, But imagine if IGC is eager to dig into the gospel and trust everything, everything that the Word of God says, then we can can endure persecution. Then we can be a light to our community. Then we can love each other and love those outside the church. If we want this to be true of IGC, we we need to receive all that God has for us. So I hope that we come this summer expecting that God will speak, expecting that his word is enough. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you that your word is powerful, that you do not leave us to our own crazy thoughts, but that you are a God that speaks truth and life to us. And as we approach the table, I pray that we would use this as a means to allow you to feed our faith, God. For those of us with weak faith, thank you so much that you do not leave us to ourselves but you give us all that we need in Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.